Move Forward Radio is brought to you by MoveForwardPT.com, the official consumer information website of the American Physical Therapy Association. Find a physical therapist near you at MoveForwardPT.com. You're listening to Move Forward Radio, a podcast featuring interviews with physical therapists and other healthcare experts with advice on how you can move forward. Welcome to Move Forward Radio. I'm Eric Reese. Pelvic pain, or pain in the lower abdomen, is common in females of all ages, including adolescent girls. Up to 5% of visits to gynecologists by adolescent females, in fact, are for pelvic pain. But there can be a big difference between the pain produced by menstrual cramps and other sources of pain that may be long-lasting and can pose serious health risks. With us to discuss pelvic pain in adolescent girls in general, and endometriosis in particular, is Christine Mansfield, a physical therapist who works at a children's hospital. She'll discuss causes, symptoms, risk factors, treatment, and the best ways to ensure optimal pelvic health in this specific population. Here's our conversation with Christine. So, Chrissy, most people are familiar with the term women's health, which which connotes health conditions and diagnoses that exclusively or largely affect women rather than men. You treat a, a younger population of female patients, uh, adolescent girls. Uh, first of all, that, that's generally what age range? So most of the girls that I see with female or women's health concerns in my practice are going to be, in general, ages 12 to 21 years old. I've seen a few younger than that, but... Um, and some older, but generally since I do work at a pediatric institution, the oldest we're going to see is 21 years old, and um, that's the general age range for those female health concerns that I see. Okay, so do the health risks and needs of, of your patients differ in some ways from those of their adult counterparts? Yeah, so if you think about girls going through adolescence, there's going to be some changes that come to mind naturally, so they're going to be getting a great amount of growth in height and weight during that time, their hips are widening, so they might experience a time of clumsiness or just getting used to the size of their new body. They're going through puberty changes. There's a lot of hormonal things that come along with that. They're going to start their menstrual cycle. Most girls, on average, are going to start at the age of 12, and most start by age 13, but girls can start as young as 8 as well. So there's a, a little bit of a range there, but there's definitely hormonal changes that come along with that. And then in addition to these physiological changes that they're going through, they have a lot of demands related to school, extracurricular activities. A lot of girls are starting to place an increased value on their relationship with their peers, and they're comparing themselves to their peers. So when I'm treating these girls, I'm really taking a biopsychosocial account and, con- and into account these concerns so that I can give a holistic treatment to them. Whereas if you're thinking of an adult counterpart that you see in a women's health practice, typically you're thinking of maybe traditionally more a postpartum um, woman, somebody who has had a child and going through some women's health concerns related to that, or perhaps some women that are going through or have gone through menopause. So just a little bit different concerns uh, based on that age range that I'm seeing these girls in. So as, as you've described, there's, there's, a, there's really kind of an age-specific uh, set of, uh, of concerns here that might be a little different for adolescents than, to, than for adult women. Have those differences long been recognized by health care providers, or is this sort of a, a treatment area or an area of focus that's, that's fairly new in, in health care? So 
Healthcare providers should be trained in the developmental differences of adolescent girls compared to maybe uh, uh, older older individuals, and they should be able to understand those developmental and hormonal differences in adolescent females. Um, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists uh, recommend that girls should have their first gynecological visit between the age of 13 and 15 years to talk about their development and take into account any concerns in that regards or any any uh, upcoming kind of sexual history concerns. Uh, but in the women's health field, specifically for physical therapists, I think there's a little bit of stigma for girls surrounding discussing the menstrual cycle, discussing their sexual health. It's a little uncomfortable. They might not want to bring it up to their mom or healthcare providers. I'm pretty lucky because I work in an institution where there is a pediatric and adolescent gynecologist and gynecology department, but uh, all uh, most other girls would be going to their mother's gynecologist or, or provider for those type of concerns. So I think sometimes they shy away from it a little bit, um, but I think it's something that is definitely well-known, the differences in adolescence among health care providers, and I think it's getting uh, better, the screening process of making sure girls are going to be seen by appropriate providers at the age, at, at the adolescent age range. So, Chrissy, uh, specifically, we're here today to discuss uh, pelvic pain in general and endometriosis in particular in adolescent girls. So can we start out by you talking a little bit about what, how we define pelvic pain, what causes it, what kinds of issues it creates, and whether it's the same as menstrual pain or, or can it have other causes as well? So typically pelvic pain or chronic pelvic pain, rather, is usually defined as pain below the, the umbilicus or belly button for at least six months in duration. And the challenging thing about pelvic pain is oftentimes there's many things that can be causing pelvic pain. So there can be uh, GI issues such as irritable bowel syndrome, gastroenteritis, things like that. It can be from a urologic cause such as a UTI or painful bladder syndrome. It can come from a gynecological cause such as endometriosis or pelvic inflammatory disease. It can also be coming from some sort of musculoskeletal cause, so pelvic floor pain, abdominal myofascial pain, um, or it can be coming from some type of, sort of psychosocial issue. So if an adolescent girl has gone through abuse or she has an eating disorder, she has depression, that can manifest as pelvic pain as well. So that was, that's what really makes it challenging to to diagnose what the cause of it is because there are many, many things that should be on the differential diagnosis list for these girls. They, dysmenorrhea or, or painful periods is pain during menstruation and that can cause pelvic pain, but it's not necessarily synonymous with the, as the only thing that can cause pelvic pain or it's not necessarily synonymous with the term pelvic pain. Can we go back for a second? You, you mentioned a term that might not be familiar to our listeners, uh, differential diagnosis. Uh, in, in, your, in your role as a physical therapist, what does differ, differ, differential diagnosis mean in this context? What's on my list of things uh, as potential diagnoses that, be, that could be causing the pain? So, you know, a lot of times there, there are signs and symptoms that people present with in clinic, and, and those lead you to to think of certain things just based on your medical training and, and uh, uh, past expertise as a clinician. But usually you're going to have a, a, a primary thing that you're thinking of as, as your um, 
kind of hypothesis of what's causing their pain. But you should also have that list of other things in your mind, too. So if uh, if their pain isn't improving with the treatment you're providing for, for a specific thing, you can refer out to an appropriate provider or get them um, other, other help they need for um, one of those potential other diagnoses that you're suspecting. So one of the things that you had mentioned uh, as you were talking about some of the things that uh, some of the uh, causes of pelvic pain or possible causes of pelvic pain was, was uh, something called endometriosis. Can you talk about what that is, kind of what causes it, and what the risk factors are for, for, uh, for having endometriosis? Yeah, so uh, I think people are starting to see more commercials on TV talking about endometriosis and making sure you're going to your provider if you're suspecting it. But I don't think people necessarily know uh, completely what endometriosis is. So it is an estrogen-dependent disease, and which means estrogen is a hormone that's in females. And what it, what it occurs is the endometrium is the lining of the uterus. And if those cells that make up the lining of your uterus are in places outside of the uterus, in the pelvic cavity, cavity or abdominal cavity, they can cause an inflammatory response because oftentimes they'll um, implant into the uh, pelvic cavity and um, onto structures of the pelvic cavity, such as bladder, bowels, intestines, ovaries. And really those cells aren't supposed to be in that, in that area. And your body recognizes it as abnormal, and you have an inflammatory response, which can be really quite painful in these girls. And, and again, thinking about what things are located in the abdominal cavity, um, there's a lot of things besides the reproductive organs, such as the, the bowels, the bladder. So this, again, makes it very challenging sometimes to diagnose. But some risk factors that people should be aware of are uh, – an early onset of the period. So as I mentioned before, girls typically on average are going to start their period at age 12. Uh, most have started by age 13, but some can start as early as eight years old, which is quite young, but that definitely is a risk factor of, of endometriosis. Also, if they have a positive family history of endometriosis, so if a first-degree relative, such as their mother, their grandmother, an aunt, has endometriosis, uh, and they're having a lot of pelvic pain, that's something that potentially they want to want to have their child screened for uh, by a gynecologist and an, an appropriate healthcare provider. What's really challenging is because I mentioned how many things could cause pelvic pain, is there's oftentimes a delay in diagnosis of endometriosis in these girls. So oftentimes they're going to see five or more physicians before they get to the appropriate provider, a gynecologist who can help diagnose endometriosis. Um, the average time to diagnose is about six years, and some people it can take longer than nine years to diagnose. And, and one thing to notice is if you are suspecting this, is the early the onset of endometriosis, the increased severity of symptoms. So we really want to try to identify these girls early on and, and when they're experiencing pelvic pain, if we're thinking endometriosis, so they can get the appropriate care and help manage those symptoms. Well, what's, what's the key to early diagnosis then? So I think, I think one thing that people should, should kind of be aware of is if their child is between the eight, ages of 8 and 24, which is 
eight, eight years old is kind of the younger range of when the menstrual cycle could start. And, and really, uh, that's that period of adolescence. And if they've had period, uh, chronic pelvic pain for greater than three months, um, and they have gone to several specialists or, or multiple physicians, and there's really no clear diagnosis to why they're having this pain. Um, the treatment they've received thus far is really not providing the most optimal treatment for them or the, the most relief of their symptoms. That's really when they want to consider a visit to the gynecologist because maybe things aren't adding up and, and it should be something that is screened for in their child. So is there an effective screen for it then? Um, not necessarily an effective screen, but typically what, um, at least for at the physicians that I work with at Nationwide Children's do, is if they've had this chronic pelvic pain, they're going to provide usually NSAIDs and hormonal contraceptives as a first line of treatment to help with the, the uh, menstrual cramps and the pelvic pain. And then they're going to try to rule out other body systems, such as uh, the GI system, uh, urologic symptoms, uh, anything from a psychological standpoint. Uh, that's when they're typically sent to me as a physical therapist to rule out musculoskeletal causes, and we can really help with some of the musculoskeletal pelvic pain they're feeling. And then if they, after three to six months of that sort of treatment, are still not seeing improvements, really the gold standard for diagnosis is a diagnostic laparoscopy which is the physician is going to, it's a surgery, but they're going to take a small tube and put it in the, through the abdomen and so they can view the abdominal cavity and view the reproductive organs. And it's really diagnosed if they are able to visually see endometriosis and if they take a, a biopsy of the tissue and it's showing that it is uh, truly endometriosis. So there's not necessarily a screening test, but that's, Typically, at Nationwide Children's, where I work, the, the uh, standard of care that they go through to rule out other, other reasons that they are having this pelvic pain and if things just still aren't adding up and they're not improving with that treatment, then they look into a surgical intervention. A quick break to tell you about Choose PT, the American Physical Therapy Association's national public awareness campaign. America is currently in the grips of an opioid epidemic. In some situations, dosed appropriately, Prescription opioids are an appropriate part of medical treatment. But opioids only mask the sensation of pain, and opioid risks include depression, overdose, addiction, and withdrawal. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is urging healthcare providers to reduce the use of opioids in favor of safer alternatives like physical therapy for treating pain. Learn how a physical therapist can help you at moveforwardpt.com slash choose PT. And now Back to this episode of Move Forward Radio. You you alluded to this earlier, but but, but uh, Chrissy, what are what are the risks of delayed diagnosis and treatment of endometriosis in uh, uh, particularly in our, in this case in, in adolescent girls? So some of the things that's been reported in the the research as far as uh, potential comorbidities or future issues they might have if it if it's not diagnosed is infertility. Uh, they could have a risk of in adverse pregnancy outcome or preterm birth when they're when they're trying to have a child later in life. Um, they might have some um, uh, autoimmune conditions that can develop secondary to it, and then kind of in the worst cases, uh, ovarian cancer can and develop later in life if it's uh, not diagnosed. So there's many things that can occur secondary to it, and then of course 
quality of life wise, the biggest thing for these girls are going to be a lot of pain and and they're not really able to maximize their ability to participate in their day-to-day activities with their friends, in their social lives, uh, going to school, extracurriculars. So that's really, um, from the immediate standpoint, for an adolescent girl, they're not able to do all the things that they want to do in that stage of their life. Can you talk about the role of uh, the healthcare team working collaboratively um, to, to to treat endometriosis, and and also what role physical therapy plays within that? Yeah. So um, as I mentioned before, typically if a gynecologist in my practice is is seeing these girls who have uh, this history of chronic pelvic pain and um, and painful menstruation. They're, they're going to send them to um, other providers, so usually GI to rule out any sort of IBS or, or GI-type symptoms that are causing pain. I can't tell you how many times um, girls, before they see a gynecologist, are, are sent to a GI specialist, and maybe the GI specialist isn't familiar with endometriosis or they haven't seen a gynecologist yet, and they're on all these different medications, Miralax, um, things to help with, uh, um, you know, d- digestion, things like that, and, and they just haven't gotten the relief they needed. So um, from the other standpoint, a gynecologist will typically refer um, to a GI specialist just to make sure they're ruling out that as the cause. Um, they'll usually be referred to urology. Um, a lot of times they're re- referred to our chronic pain team, which is multidisciplinary, and they see a pain psychologist there to help them deal with their pain and and help to rule out if there's any psychological or psychosocial roots of their pain. And then they always send them, whether or not they have endometriosis, they send them to physical therapy. And it's a really helpful intervention to these girls for a couple of reasons. So in people with chronic pelvic pain, um, 85% of them that have the chronic pelvic pain typically are going to demonstrate some sort of postural or musculoskeletal dysfunction that is contributing to their pain. And a lot of times that's in the form of myofascial trigger points, so kind of tight bands of muscles in their in their abdomen and their, um, their uh, pelvic muscles and their hip muscles. And these can cause hypersensitivity and a lot of tenderness. And in girls with endometriosis, even if they've had a medical management, meaning they've taken over-the-counter pain medication, they've been prescribed an oral contraceptive, they have had the laparoscopy, even if they've had all that done and they have endometriosis and it's confirmed and they're getting this medical treatment, a lot of their prolonged pain and dysfunction is related to um, these, these, these tight muscles and trigger points and chronically guarding their abdomen muscles to protect, and that's that's contributing to some prolonged pain and dysfunction. So when I come in, what I really do is um, evaluate them, and a lot of times I'm palpating their, their abdomen muscles to see if they're tender, if they're, if they're guarding, and I'm teaching them how to calm down because they probably have this pain, you know, three, three to six months, if not longer. Some of them have had it for years. And I'm teaching them how to relax through diaphragm breathing, uh, breathing correctly to, to get some expansion of their lower ribs and their abdomen. Uh, that provides a really nice stretch for them and just helps to calm their bodies down in general. I work on lengthening some of these really tight muscles. I do that through some 
manual therapy techniques that, that I've been um, trained in through my women's health training and um, teaching them stretches. I think it's challenging because a lot of healthcare providers aren't necessarily familiar with endometriosis and might mistakenly try to really strengthen their muscles early on, do a lot of core and strengthening exercises that might increase uh, pain in a muscle that's already really tight and, and tender. So lengthening before strengthening those muscles is really important. Working on their posture to get them out of that guarded position. If you've ever seen a, a person who is in a lot of pain, they, they tend towards that fetal position, hunched forward, and I really work to get them out of that and educate them that even though that seems like the best position, it's really something that might be further exacerbating their pain. And once their pain gets under control, I really help to be a champion for them to get back to the activities they want to do by doing functional strengthening at that point. Uh, I think physical therapists are a really integral member of the team treating endometriosis and pelvic pain. You're somebody, if you understand this diagnosis, that might understand it better than even their parents, definitely better than their, their, their peers and their teachers and their coaches. And there's, you're somebody they trust who they can talk about these issues and you really understand it, and you're doing something that can help improve their pain and get them back to activities they want to do. You've been focusing here specifically on endometriosis, but can you talk uh, also about the role in general that, that you can play as a, as a physical therapist uh, in um, uh, adolescent patients who come to you with, with uh, other uh, uh, chronic pelvic pain uh, conditions in terms of muscle rehabilitation and muscle relaxation? Yeah, I, I use really very similar uh, principles. Uh, usually, whether they have endometriosis, endometriosis or not, people with chronic pelvic pain really can benefit from some of the techniques uh, to decrease tension in their body, a lot of the breathing techniques, um, some mindfulness, some techniques to help them decrease stress in their body. Just by can we step back a second? When you, can we step back a second? When you, when you say mindfulness, people might not know what that means. What, what, what does that mean? Yeah, so really it's, it's Trying not to focus on their pain and and to not focus on things stressing them out in their life. So I think um, in healthcare in general, a lot of people are pushing for mindfulness, um, which really means like um, it's almost like meditation and and trying to be in the present and and not perseverate on your pain, things like that. So um, diaphragm breathing is a great way to do that. Um, I even encourage. There's a lot of fun apps that are for that are free on our iPhones or our, our smartphones anymore um, that you can download and, and they're meditation apps and they really focus on breathing and relaxation and being in the present. And that can be a great and powerful tool, just, just calming the mind down to be an adjunct to what you're doing in physical therapy to, to decrease pain in the body. So can we kind of come full circle and, and maybe in closing uh, talk about what you would advise girls and their parents to do when pelvic pain is, is persistent? Yes. I think what they should be aware of and when they should start thinking, maybe I should be sending my, my child to a gynecologist to screen them. Uh, if your child is between the ages of 8 and 24 and they've had chronic pelvic pain that's greater than three months, or longer, 
They are not improving with maybe over-the-counter NSAIDs uh, or pain, pain medication that you're giving. Uh, maybe they've gone to the ED for the severe chronic pelvic pain, and they come out and they don't have a clear diagnosis, and the imaging that they've done in the ED, uh, emergency room, or urgent care is negative, and there's not a real clear root cause of why they're having pain. Um, if they've seen more than one specialist for chronic pelvic pain without a clear diagnosis and really not any any major improvements with the treatment they've been provided, that's when you want to start thinking, maybe I should be taking my child to a gynecologist because it could be a gynecological cause. Um, pelvic pain could be a gynecological cause, and it could be pointing towards endometriosis. Um, that's really the time and the, some of the um, things that you want to think about if your child has gone through that experience is sending them to a gynecologist. I think sometimes also physical therapists really feel that, um, oh, I'm an orthopedic orthophysical therapist, I'm a women's health ther physical therapist, I'm a pediatric physical therapist, but really what I feel like I've been able to do is bridge the gap between those things because people aren't always comfortable with endometriosis, either um, um, physical therapists or our parents or families, and um, really providing that holistic treatment for them can be really helpful. Does that mean that uh, that, that these patients uh, and their families should seek out a specific uh, kind of physical therapist or a physical therapist who has experience in this area? I think they want to look for somebody that is familiar with the diagnosis of endometriosis and has experience treating pelvic pain um, because it, it really is a helpful, um, a really helpful intervention for them. And I can't tell you how many girls that I've seen that say, I feel like even little things that you do help me feel better day to day and feel help me feel empowered to do activities that I really love. So it's something you can definitely ask if you um, have this diagnosis or have chronic pelvic pain. You can ask your gynecologist if they know of any physical therapist who might be an appropriate provider to send them to to help them with these these needs. One thing I meant to ask you earlier was, is endometriosis uh, uh, fairly rare or, or, or common, or how likely is it that the, that the, the pelvic pain that a, an adolescent girl is experiencing might, might be endometriosis? Yeah, so um, in general, in, the, in girls or women of reproductive age, it's prevalent uh, about 10 to 15% of the time in, in all women of reproductive age. Specifically in adolescents, in those with chronic pelvic pain, so not all, not all adolescent girls, but those who have experienced that chronic pelvic pain, which is that pain um, below the belly button for greater six months duration, it's prevalent about 25 to 49% of the time. So, you know, it's, it's something you really want to think about uh, getting screened for if, if your um, child is having complaints of that chronic pelvic pain without a really known uh, cause of it for that long duration of time. Well, Chrissy Mansfield, uh, thank you so much for speaking with us on Move Forward Radio. We've really appreciated it. Yeah, thanks for having me today. You've been listening to Move Forward Radio. Insight from our guests is for informational purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for individual treatment by a medical professional. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or find previous episodes at moveforwardpt.com. Move Forward Radio is brought to you by moveforwardpt.com 
the official consumer information website of the American Physical Therapy Association. Find a physical therapist near you at moveforwardpt.com.